Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'm honored every week to talk about who? Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, and how to fall in love with him. And Bishop Strickland is there to help us all stay focused on the most important thing in life, and that is saving our souls. Bishop Strickland, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Bishop Strickland, I, uh, I always get motivated when I read your tweets because they're so Christocentric regarding the tweets that all of us should be thinking about. And you really do uh, keep us focused on, well, the, la- the four last things. And I appreciate that. One of your tweets on July 27th, you said, and this is, you got to pay attention to this, folks, because this is a tweet that is really, I think, an antidote to the Catholic Church today. We need to heed this. Jesus, his church, do not condemn sinners to a life that takes sinners further and further from God by simply embracing them in sin. That's what's happening, though. Instead, Jesus and his church call sinners to turn from sin, believe that we can be forgiven, and find joy in that freedom. You've seen those little things written on rocks around the country. Jesus saves us from sin. And those are our Protestant brothers, and I love it. So I want to ask you, Bishop Strickland, and I I think this came from prayer. I don't think you got this from the Bible. It's just, I mean, you know, the Bible says repent and believe in the gospel, but what made you bring this up today in 2023? Well, like you said, Terry, it, it came from prayer mm-hmm. and just the realization that there are too many voices, including in the church, yeah. that are trying to ignore sin. Yes. And say, oh, let's all gather together. Yes, but let's share the good news after we gather together. And let's openly let people know that we're coming together to share the pearl of great price, the buried treasure, what we've heard about in the gospel in recent days. I mean, the World Youth Day is gathered in Portugal. Thankfully, many are hearing about Christ. Yes. But from what I've heard, too much of the leadership isn't mentioning Jesus Christ. It should be every other word, Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the Lord of the church. He's the Lord of our world. And that's what young people from all over the world, I hope they all are drawn closer to Jesus Christ at this World Youth Day. That's why John Paul II began World Youth Day, not to just have a communal gathering of the people in the world, but to bring young people to a deeper appreciation that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And whatever they are doing in their life, there are probably some very holy young people there that are holier than I am, but there are also probably some that need to be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. And that's that's the journey that we're on. We're not at World Youth Day. We're not youth. We have been through that, but we need to pray for those young people and pray for all the leadership to say what we just talked about before we got on the air. Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and forever. That's the only theme that a World Youth Day needs. And in love and in truth, the mercy, 
for those young people that feel very far from Christ and maybe judged and confused, help them to know he's the Lord of compassion, but he's calling them out of confusion into his light and truth. So absolutely, it's always about Jesus Christ and the mission of his bride, the church, to free people from the shackles of sin. That's why he died on the cross, to free us from sin and death. I mean, we're reading through the book of Exodus now, where what's that all about? The story of Moses and the people of Israel is freedom from slavery in this world. Jesus Christ is a much more significant story, as beautiful as the story of Moses and the people of Israel is. Jesus Christ came as the new Moses to free all humanity, not just from slavery in Egypt or from some nation or from some despotic ruler, but to free them from sin and death, the cosmic prison that all of us are in if we ignore Jesus Christ. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose. And that's the message that we have to keep joyfully, compassionately, lovingly sharing, even with those who don't want to hear it. And there are plenty of those who don't want to hear the message of the Catholic Church but the message of the Catholic Church is Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of humanity. Bishop Strickland, what you just said would have been a great ad to bring people to World Youth Day. It would have been challenging them to fall deep, deep in love with Jesus Christ. And I think that would have had a big crowd. I read recently that the numbers are at its lowest level since 1985 when Pope John Paul II started this. And I'm going to make a prediction that uh, if they would preach Christ and him crucified to young people, they would come. But when you look at the promotion of this event, uh, I got to tell you, I now realize why the numbers are so low. They're not challenging young people to fall in love with Christ. They're kind of, come on, we'll just, we'll just have a nice time. We'll have plenty of pizza. Come on over. That doesn't work. We found that out. And so anyhow, what you just said, I would recommend that they take that a message of what is which is a very biblical message to our young people. In contrast to that, Terry, I want to highlight an event here in Texas Good. this last Saturday. Yes. The dedication of St. Mary's Campus Church on the just off the campus that serves the huge campus of Texas AM University. Wow. About seventy-two thousand students, many of them Catholic. Yeah. It's a vibrant joyful campus ministry with thousands of young Catholics flocking there. This beautiful, gorgeous chapel was just church. It seats 1,700 people. Oh, it's huge. It's gorgeous. It's a, it's a great statement of faith. Yes. And I heard the story of how that great Catholic ministry began with some wonderful priest that said, we're going to teach what the church teaches. There you go. That's why that campus ministry is a model for the whole nation. It takes Texas A&M, St. Mary's campus ministry. And I encourage parents and young people that are looking for a good university where they can support their Catholic faith, look at Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. I don't get any benefit of that. It's not in my diocese, oh. but it's benefiting the people of God and it's benefiting young people with teaching what the Catholic Church teaches 
in a committed, joyful, compassionate way. And young people are flocking to that. Imagine a campus ministry church, 1,700 people at seats. It was packed, of course, for the dedication. But they were going to have four or five masses that Sunday. And I'm sure they were packed as well. Incredible. I have been there to give a, for a men's conference years ago. And yes, I heard lots of good things about that. So thank you for bringing that up. Bishop Strickland, I noticed that you're encouraging everyone uh, who knows life, that life is in the womb, is sacred, to sign a petition uh, praying that rather than one million signatures have already pray, have signed on this. I'm one of them. Uh, and you said, may this effort result in tens of millions of signatures proclaiming with resounding clarity that the womb is sacred. And uh, this is a petition for, from LifeSite News urging the U.S. Supreme Court to end uh, this scourge of ongoing daily mass murder of our children. And I, I keep saying, I, I don't think we've ever done a show where we haven't spoken about the unborn because this is so important right now that when you think about the tens of millions of babies that have been slaughtered just in our lifetime, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing that. Is that why you did it again, just to get support this? Absolutely, Terry. We've got to keep bringing the message of the good news that life is sacred from conception to natural death. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get people to wake up to the reality that all the violence that we see, the human trafficking, all of it's rooted in a lack of respect for the sanctity of life. And if it's not respected in the womb, we can't expect it to be respected across the spectrum of human life, and especially toward the end, as older people, very often because of disease and, and being in the state of advanced age, they're weak and powerless, just like the children in the womb. And very often, they're euthanized. We've got to keep speaking the sanctity of life because Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. And when we ignore life, we ignore him. And when we ignore him, we're dooming ourselves to darkness. You know, on that same topic, it seems that when these movies come out, and Garsnell and all these pro-life movies that come out and, and get people to be aware of what abortion is, it seems like we get more momentum for the sacredness of life. So are these movies that uh, you know, Christian and Catholic uh, men and women are putting together are just critical. For example, uh, Jim Caviso uh, with Freedom, you know, uh, his movie on child trafficking. Uh, we just heard today that the FBI caught uh, have 152 children that were being used as sex slaves, and they got like a dozen or two dozen men and women that were involved in this. So this is why we bring it up. I think when we bring it up to the consciousness of the public, the public's got to say, wait, we got to stop this. And so I think it's important. When we come back with the Bishop Strickland Hour, we want to talk about St. Augustine and what he had to say and how it applies to us in 2023. Wow. Taken from his Confessions of St. Augustine. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ. Now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Indeed, we have a quote from St. Augustine, the Confessions of St. Augustine. It's something that uh, has really touched souls for centuries. 
And Bishop Strickland, you quoted a very famous quote. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. That applies to us in 2023 just as much as it did in the 3rd or 4th century. I think even more so. Even more so. Good. Because I believe there are, you could describe the the issue in our modern society is restless hearts. Yes. Hearts that are totally unrooted, wandering through the world, often depressed and, and just empty. And they're restless because they haven't found God. Yes. And they don't know our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to continue as long as we have breath to share the good news (laughs) and to share the truth that brings these restless hearts. What's amazing, Terry, is you don't have a perfect life. I don't have a perfect life. But when you know the Lord, when you know the Son of God, His Father and their Spirit, when you know God, it makes all the difference. And the circumstances may not change at all. They may even get worse. Yeah. But even suffering becomes something that you not only bear, but you can rejoice in, like the apostles, if you're rooted in the truth that the Son of God has revealed to us. So we've got to continue. I was met with a, a young man this afternoon who's really doing a lot of work um, in the nation to to try to promote prayer and bringing people to Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, we know that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Jesus sent his son to give us his sacred heart so that we could heart to heart be connected to God. That's what it all, what it's all about. Amen. Bishop Strickland, I have a friend named Father Jeffrey Kirby, and you quoted him. Uh, Basically, he has an article, The Shame of Cowardly Shepherds. Now, this is, uh, I thought he, it's only two pages long, but I'm I'm with you. You're encouraging people to read it. And if I could just start on it and then give your, get your take on it. Uh, Basically, he talks about the spiritual battle going on in the fallen hearts of humanity. That's why I think it's following St. Augustine here. <laughs> uh, we have been created by from for God. He says, our soul naturally longs for him and things that surround him. So here's what he said. The battle reflects two roads <laughs> described by our Lord and Savior Jesus, one leading to eternal life and the other to perdition, which is hell. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. It's tension behind the way of spirit and the way of the flesh described in many places by St. Paul. It lies behind St. Augustine's two cities, the St. Ignatius of Loyola's two standards and the spiritual exercises, and more recently, St. Pope John Paul II's two cultural. The battle is real, tangible, and observable. And the reason I I, I like what you did here is because he said that in history, we are oftentimes told of cities or outposts during various wars, even like World War II, Some Japanese never got the message that the war was over. 1975, and they're still fighting in the jungles. Well, he says, during these wars, they continue to fight after an armistice was signed. The outpost was unaware of the surrender by its leadership. And so they continued to fight. Now, many believers 
today are beginning to wonder if the white flag of surrender has been raised by high churchmen while many of the troops, the baptized and hoi polloi, Joe Sixpack, in the midst of the world, are still in the battle and fighting the good fight and laboring for goodness and righteousness to triumph in the human heart and in society. I'll just stop there. This touched me. I thought, I'm one of them. I'm going to keep fighting. But when I see, here we have a funeral going on right now. I have one, two more, two tomorrow, two the next day. Uh, some of the mortuary guys say to me, Bishop Strickland, hey, Terry, I don't get it. I see these rainbow flags in the sanctuary of Catholic churches. Um, am I missing something? Did, did, did we say that this was okay now? But you see, they don't know. They're confused. And so I think Father Kirby's spot on by saying, look, uh, you know, uh, we need strong leadership. We need bishops like yourself who are going to tell us the truth and not cave in under pressure from the world. That's my take. How about yours? Absolutely. And Terry, I don't hold myself up as some example. I have the, I face the same challenge as every bishop. And I know that a lot of people say I speak up too much, but if there's falsehood out there and Christ is being denied and blasphemed, then frankly, I haven't spoken up enough. Hello. Hello, Bishop Strickland. Sorry about that. I had to had to grab something. So bottom line is Father uh, Kirby is basically calling us. He's saying this. He says many baptized Christians are starting to ask have we lost? And you see, I want to be able to tell them no. And this is one thing that we're bringing up is prayer. We see some of our leaders, priests, bishops, you know, compromising on these, what we call a deposit of faith. We can't compromise on that. But when you have lay people wondering and scratching their heads going, gee, do we still believe that? See, I, I think that's confusing. And, you know, he says such a thought is shocking since the gospel can't lose. You've said that many times. He says, it, but it, it, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. He says, it this, can't lose. No. He says, but if it does express the need for clarity and affirmation, what do we always say? Clarity with charity. Surrender has been ordered by those who never tuned up, uh, for, turned up for the fight in the first place, or by those who show up but decide the fight wasn't worth it, or by those who started to fight but became disillusioned by the cross of Jesus Christ. They allow themselves to become compromised or seduced and have begun to rely on something other than the Lord Jesus and the promise of eternal life. I'm telling you, Bishop Strickland, he's spot on. I see that Absolutely. in my own life. Absolutely. And we talked about this previously, Terry, but the saints yeah. never raised a white flag. No. I mean, some, many of them martyred, but right. many of the saints didn't die for their faith, but yep. they lived for their faith, and they faced a lot of resistance. Right. Um, just today, we yep. celebrate Eusebius right. of Vercelli. Oh, boy, tell us about A lot it. of yeah. people have probably never heard of Eusebius of Vercelli. Mm -hmm. He's one of many saints. He lived in the fourth century. He was a bishop, and he was exiled at one time yep. because— he would not raise the white flag against the Arian heresy. God love him. Thank God. Yeah. Eusebius and Athanasius and a handful of others said, no, we will not raise a white flag and give up on the truth. And thankfully, 
since the fourth century, yeah. the church has continued as Christ promised, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I'm sure many people, I mean, as difficult as our time is, imagine being in the time when the Arian heresy wow. was taking over. Yeah. And many people that were true believers probably wondered if if the truth had changed. Yeah. That the message of Jesus Christ wasn't really God man, but he was just a very good man. Um People of faith knew that wasn't the truth. Right. Some of them died for that. St. Eusebius of Vercelli was exiled as a bishop, but he continued to hold to the truth, just like Bishop Athanasius. I think he was exiled five times. Yep, five times. And, you know, that's what we have to do. <laughs> if I have to be exiled because I'm teaching the truth of Jesus Christ, so be it. I'm not volunteering to go into exile, but many of the saints have had to do that in the past because they wouldn't raise the white flag of surrender to a sinful world. That's what it comes down to. Jesus Christ didn't raise the white flag. He died on a cross rather than give in to the false messages that tried to conquer him. They thought they had. And the people of the world may well think, oh, we're on the brink of finally destroying this Catholic church that we've been trying to get rid of <laughs> for centuries. It's not going to happen. They can destroy a lot, and sadly, a lot of souls may be lost, but the church will continue because Christ is with the church, and the church is holy because the Holy Spirit is with us. Well said. Uh, now, Father Kirby brought something up that I've never seen the analogy <clears throat> from the Old Testament to today. He said many shepherds, he's talking about bishops, okay? So he's, he's putting himself out. He says many shepherds <coughs> of the church today are imitating King Saul of Israel. What? Yeah, God made Saul the tallest man in Israel. He blessed him with strength and military prowess. And when the Philistines came, however, the king led his troops in stagnation, sitting behind battle formations, <laughs> hmm. wallowing in doubt and uncertainty, hmm. cowardly avoiding a fight even for God's honor, and looking for a path to avoid battle and live a life of comfort and respectability. Bishop Strickland, this sounds like deja vu. That we're, we're, now, we're going to take a quick break, and I want to get your take on the analogy because I would think if I was a bishop today, I would be uncomfortable with the priest stating this because it's true. And it would make me uncomfortable to say, you know, am I raising the flag or am I going to hunker down with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And whether it means sacrifice, if it means persecution, it means toil, I'm going to embrace that because I know that's what I'm called to do. So I think Father Kirby is doing guys like you a favor. I really mean that. A favor to state, hey, as a shepherd, we've got to stand up to the, the world today and not lower the bar of truth because truth can't be lowered. It's, this truth is, like you've said before, it's eternal. And what's true today will be true 500, 1,000 years from now. And uh, I want to get your take because his analogy from imitating King Saul of Israel 
uh, and uh, pointing out the, he actually used some strong language, cowards. Now, I would think um, most shepherds wouldn't appreciate this. So let's talk about that. And one more uh, plug I want to get into, the St. Philip Institute. Uh, I haven't done that for a while, and I want to get it in. Uh, this is the catechism we're using that's published in the Diocese of Tyler. And Bishop Strickland, take a minute and tell us what other benefits people can get by going on the website to St. Philip's Institute, please. One of the great strengths of the St. Philip Institute is the marriage and family formation. Mm -hmm. So I'd encourage yeah. any married couple, yeah. those approaching marriage, those who are looking to strengthen their marriage, good, to go to the stphilipinstitute.org website and look up marriage and family. There's some great things happening. Awesome. We come back, I want to get Bishop Strickland's a response to Father Kirby's comment about... Uh, Shepherds and how they have to be courageous today. Stay with me. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Indeed, Bishop Strickland, I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I see this article by Father Kirby, and he's talking about some of the shepherds that are just shying away from confrontation or shying away from sticking to the perennial teachings of the church because pressure from the world, the devil, the flesh. Um, you know, you came to Dodger Stadium with us. 5,000 lay people come out to pray prayers of reparation for sacrileges. I'm not accusing you of this, but I think uh, all bishops are called to lay their life down for the flock. Am I, am I, am I, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. That's what Christ called us to do. But you're imitating and that's what, Christ. If we look at the original shepherds of the church, the apostles, yeah. they did exactly that. Yeah. All 11. Even John, who wasn't martyred, but he laid down his life. He suffered. He was in prison. Yeah. He was not um, exalted in this world before being a follower of Jesus Christ. And imagine him standing there with Mary at the foot of the cross. That's bravery. He probably realized he could easily have been taken up and crucified himself. But that that's exactly what a shepherd is called to. Yeah. And as you, you talked about Saul in the other segment. Yes. And the weakness of the shepherds. We can learn a lot from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And just, I think it was yesterday's readings. We're going through the book of Exodus. We read about Aaron. Mm -hmm. The the companion to Moses, Moses' right hand, literally, he and er, her were holding up Moses' hands at one point in the story of Exodus as Moses is praying over the people. Here's Aaron, what we read about recently. Moses is taking too long, in the opinion of the people of Israel, yeah. uh, as he's there on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. And so the people get restless, and they implore Aaron to create a God for them. And he does. He creates a, a molten a, a image of a golden calf. He melts down their jewelry and makes the image of a golden calf. So Aaron is an example of bad shepherding. Yeah. 
he wasn't called a shepherd in the Old Testament. That's not the imagery that was used, but he was a leader of the people. And he went with the people's complaints and, and created, he broke the first commandment. Thou shalt not have false gods before me. Yep. Um, and that we see happening in the world today. And sadly, even in the church where false gods are promoted rather than the true message of the one true God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's happened before. Yeah. It's happened through the history of the church herself. Yeah. It happened in the Old Testament. I don't want to, to call out anyone. I just have to remind myself Amen. to stay strong, to never, as I said in that tweet, I pray that I would never raise the white flag but instead be strengthened in the Holy Spirit to do my job yeah. and to carry the banner of Christ, no matter the resistance. And really, that's what we're all called to from our baptism. Sure. Yes, the shepherds need to lead, but every member of the flock, every baptized person has a personal charge to live their baptismal promises, to turn from Satan and to live in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to guard and strengthen the church by their own holiness. So, yes, the shepherds need to be strong, but also we need to encourage each other. Yeah. You're a layman. I'm a shepherd. We need to support each other Amen. in doing our work of really, ultimately, living our baptism, living the commitment to the life that Jesus Christ has offered us, the life of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Well said, and he ends, Father Kirby ends with this, there are shepherds among us who should, who should be kings and generals, the tallest among us who cringe and have become slaves to the fallen world and supplements to the way of the flesh. They deny the very battle for which they were raised up and for which they lead the charge. Their lack of action... And here's a big one. Sins of omission, absence of courage, are their lasting shame. Have you can't imagine? He's really hitting hard to our shepherds. And he says, and yet, without the robust and strong leadership that should be given to them, they remain many baptized Christians, small shepherds with mere stones like David, you know, <laughs> who have taken up the mantle and will not accept the white flag of a false surrender of wayward shepherds. They will continue to seek the truth, as you've been telling us, labor for goodness, and accept persecution in defense of beauty. Wow. They will fight the good fight, run the race so as to win, and zealously seek the imperishable crown that is promised to those who love God. That paragraph inspires me. How about you? Absolutely. That's why I encourage people to read that. That's a bold statement for a priest to make. I know. He's got a bishop. Yeah. I don't know where he is, but his bishop hopefully is one that is listening to that message, yeah. carrying the banner of Christ and not waving a white flag of surrender to this sinful, broken culture. Just so you know, Father Kirby is a moral theologian, and I think he's the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, and he's written so many different books on the faith. I think you're talking, um, you know, you can't 
beat the guy. He's he's really a humble man when you meet him, and I really appreciate him taking the courageous actions here because you're right. Some people are going to misinterpret that and say, how dare him say that? Who does he think he is? Well, he's a follower of Christ. He's a priest, and he wants to help the church bring more souls to Christ. I think that's who he is. All right. Well, Bishop Strickland, thanks for tweeting that. You had another article that you uh, sent out, and by golly, I think I just, it was from uh, Raymond Royal, and he, it was about uh, the Catholic, do you remember that one, Bishop Strickland? I just, here it is, is Catholicism inadequate? And I just mm. wanted to say that article was very good too. Um, it really pushes us to remind us to go back to our roots. We're taught to splendor that John, St. John Paul II wrote in 1993 really clarifies these problems in the church when it comes to moral teachings. Uh, they're, they're opposing the teachings of the church on this. Many people inside the church, even cardinals, and I think St. John Paul II's document on Veritatis Splendor, his teaching on that, is just so biblical, and, and it's so ap apropos because it really helps priests, bishops, me, understand the beauty of of the truth when it comes to the moral teachings of the church. Yeah, I think that article was Robert Royal, I yep, believe. Robert Royal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, uh, and absolutely, the church, to say the church is inadequate is to say Jesus Christ is inadequate. Yeah. And that is not the truth. Yeah. And it's blasphemous. It is blasphemous. Um, I'm inadequate. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. I'm a weak shepherd, but the church is never inadequate. The truth is never inadequate. So to, to even imply that shows to me a lack of faith. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just the key thing right now in our church. We need to ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day. Talking about shepherds, another great shepherd in my lifetime is Pope Benedict XVI, former Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. And you, you did say, here's all you said about this quote. Beautiful. <laughs> the task, he says, this is, this is Pope Benedict. He said, the task of a shepherd, and I think all shepherds should take heed. This is, you know, our former pope. He said, the task of a shepherd, the task of the fisher of men, can often seem wearisome, very tiresome, right? But it is beautiful and wonderful because it is truly a service to joy to God's joy, which longs to break into the world. You just said beautiful, but I mean, how many shepherds, we all need to hear that in a sense, and I'm just going to, you're a shepherd as a bishop, but I'm a shepherd for my family, Bishop Strickland, so I have to heed that too. That you know, it's worrisome and tiresome when, you know, you've got to stick to your guns with your kids or, you know, your grandchildren, and it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything's easy, but the joy of doing it and knowing that you offer it in union with Jesus Christ to help redeem the world so that every action becomes a blank check. I, I just think that Pope Benedict XVI is just spot on on that. And Terry, oh. we need to, I don't think we need to underscore what you just said. Mm -hmm. That yes, we need strong shepherds. Yeah. But like you said, we've talked about subsidiarity. Oh, yeah. That's and I think that that concept of mm -hmm. at the, the lowest element of the church which is the family that's right we need strong fathers oh boy do we We need strong men and certainly strong women 
Yes. But fathers have a unique role in the family and to allow their children to enter into falsehood is not as being one of those shepherds that's raising a white flag. They may not think of themselves as a shepherd, but it's the same dynamic for, for whatever children. And really, that continues to be the case even after the children become adults. It's true. I mean, they still, they certainly, you you lose some of your influence because they're making their own adult decisions, yeah. and it's really on them. Yes. But still, the father and the grandfather has a role of calling people to to live the truth and to shepherd their household, to guard the the bonds of faith one household at a time. Yes. And I think that's important to remember because I know a lot of dads that are working hard, yep. a lot of husbands and fathers that are doing their best can get feel exhausted, yeah. just like you know that quote says. Yeah. It's wearisome, yeah. but to know that the work they're doing for their family, that really is the best they can do. That's the best I can do is for the diocese and forever I can influence as a bishop of the church. But when we get more and more faithful shepherds, the church is strong. Absolutely. Where's the church going? Where its leaders take them? That's, that's Monsignor George Kelly's book. When we come back, we're going to quote Hebrews chapter 13. Wait till you hear it. Stay with us. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back. I have a teaser about Hebrews, and then we'll talk about G.K. Chesterton, and then we'll get into a catechism lesson here. So, Bishop Strickland, you you tweeted Hebrews 13, verse 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Hmm. This message is essential for the faithful today. Many strange things are being taught that pretend Christ changes according to our whims. Uh, you think? I think this verse right now is so appropriate for us because, yeah, we have people inside the church who are trying to tell us that this, that the teaching on, let's just give, a, I mean, you know, on homosexuality, that, that somehow the Bible was wrong, Romans is wrong, and there are priests just like you saying this. You know, we have to lovingly correct them, but also lovingly pray for their conversion and make restitution because we want to see them get to heaven. So we're going to pray for them. But what made you use that quote today from the Hebrews chapter 13? Well, as you said, Terry, I think there are too many attempt, too many voices mm -hmm. saying Christ yesterday, today is different than yesterday. <laughs> it's the same Jesus Christ. Amen. The one who died on the cross, the one who rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, is the same Jesus Christ that is in, on the Eucharistic altar at every Mass. Bread and wine become his body and blood, soul and divinity. The great beauty of our faith is that it is the same Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Until the end of time, it's the same Jesus Christ. It was the same yesterday is a long time back yeah. into eternity. Tomorrow is into eternity. Today is, is really, when we say Christ yesterday, today, and forever, 
we need to look at today and recognize it's the same Christ as yesterday, and it's the same Christ as it will be in eternity. And to to pretend something else is denying who Christ is. Amen. And it's really denying the faith. And we've got to really remind people. And the, the thing is that I always go back to, Terry, is it's good news. Jesus Christ is glorious, yeah. beautiful, marvelous. He's every superlative glorious word that the lang whatever language can come up with. He's the Lord of truth. He's the Lord of beauty. He's the Lord of all goodness. He's the Lord of joy. So thank God. <laughs> thank him yes. that yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same. We need him because so much in life does change. Yeah. We're not the same as we were yesterday. And tomorrow, we may not be here. Today, we have to choose Christ. Amen. And we have to live in his light. That's the only source of joy. That's the only source of fulfillment. And to pretend that there are many paths that we can walk. All paths lead to Christ. If they're not leading to Christ, then they're not a true path. Well said. Well, your time is right into G.K. Chesterton and what you quoted here saying, we, G.K. Chesterton stated, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. And I like what you said, your comment was, a church that will move the world must be robustly rooted in the vine of truth. That is Jesus Christ. Such a church can walk vigorously into the future bearing much fruit in the power and the truth of the vine. I think those are our marching orders right now. Absolutely. And what's interesting, it's kind of like when we talk about Archbishop Sheen. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton, he's talking about what the newspapers say. Yeah. That was many decades ago yeah. that he's talking about. Yeah. I'm not sure when G.K. Chesterton died, but... Yeah, it was in the 20s. So, yes, it was... A hundred years ago. years ago. The newspapers were already saying, oh, well, we, you know, we need to, to live according to this world. We want a church that adapts to the world. No, we need a church that leads us to God, Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, that was the Roaring Twenties, they say. Bishop Strickland, I wanted to get a catechism verse in, and it's a huge one, taken from the Way of Christ student book, catechism from the St. Philip Institute. Um, and... I think this is so big that I mean, we don't have much time on it, but it's on page 20. And uh, how does one become a member of the church? <laughs> and uh, I guess we're going to be talking a little bit about what baptism does to bring us into the church. So can we just summarize, if someone is listening and they're not Catholic, what does it take for someone to become uh, a member of the Catholic church? Well, um, as you said, Terry, they have to be baptized, mm -hmm. confirmed, yep. and receive the body of Christ. Amen. And baptism really is the doorway. Um, we believe, and like here in the Diocese of Tyler, mm -hmm. theologically, yes. every baptized person is part of the church Amen. and is 
part of my responsibility as bishop. Yes. Thankfully, having been here for many years, a lot of baptized non-Catholics know me and see me, not certainly as their pastor, but we have a relationship where they respect my leadership. Yes. And I appreciate the, the prayers and the support that they give me. Sure. Um, but going back to this question, how do we become part of the church? Yeah. Initially through baptism. And that's that tells us a lot about how do we live in the church as the baptized. Mm, who are the baptized? Those who have been had their sins washed away and received the life of grace, the life of God through baptism. Those are the two things that happen that make that indelible character of baptism change us. There's a lot there that we need to learn about how we live as members of the church. How we begin as members of the church tells us how we live as members of the church. Constantly being washed of sin, initially in baptism, and then through the sacrament of confession. I went to confession yesterday. As I, say, I said to the young people at confirmation last night, I'll go to confession often, not because I'm some holy guy, but because I'm not holy enough. Right. I need to ask God's forgiveness of my sins. It's revisiting that original doorway into life in the church. And I think that's something we really need to teach, and we really need to help all of the members of the church to understand. Yes. To live as, to become members of the church is to be washed of sin and to receive the grace, the life of God. To live day by day as members of the church is to renew that forgiveness of sin through a good act of contrition, through the confidior at mass, the penitential rite. We need to daily be renewed in our baptism and renewing that gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it's a critical reminder how did we get in? Yeah. By repentance of sin and living the life of grace. Too many people are leaving out the repentance as part of living yep. as a member of the church. If you're not repenting, you're a sinner, I'll guarantee it. And if you're not repenting of your sin and seeking to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Christ, then you're not living as a member of the church. And many baptized Catholics and Christians aren't living their baptism. The Lord is always there with his mercy to welcome us back. He leaves us free to make that choice. Yes. But we better not tell people, you don't have to make any choice. Just come on back. Don't change a thing. Don't repent of your sin and God will embrace you in mercy. That's not what he told us. His son told us, repent and believe the good news. Boy, do we need to hear that today because uh, I'm just shook because we did a show this earlier today on the Terry and Jesse show where shepherds were saying just the opposite, that that no matter if you're a fornicator, an adulterer, homosexual, uh, you do whatever you need to do, uh, you're baptized, so you're in. And I'm sorry, he didn't mention anything about repentance and uh, I bring up the other issue. I'm saying that we're all sinners. If we don't ask for repentance, 
We don't just get a free ticket. That's not universal salvation. So thank you for clarifying that, Bishop Strickland. How about a blessing for our radio audience, please? Sure. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all who are tuning in to Virgin Most Powerful in whatever way, for whatever part of their programming, that the font of truth may truly bring joy and a closer relationship to God, that their hearts that are restless may be drawn to the heart of Christ, the Son of God, and thus to the Father and Spirit. And we ask God's blessing for all of us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to remind everyone, you can listen to all the podcasts of Bishop Strickland shows by going to vmpr.org. And on matter of fact, all the radio shows. Also, I we brought up Bishop Sheen. We're going to have a day with Sheen. Bishop Sheen, it'll be October 14th. And we have experts talking on different aspects of what Bishop Sheen gave to Holy Mother the Church on evangelization. His uh, teaching on the Blessed Mother, the world's first love, his book. And the one I really think is going to be a great talk is how Bishop Sheen brought St. Thomas Aquinas' teachings to the, to, into the layperson mind through his television shows and to his record teachings that we promote of his convert course. He makes it so that anybody can understand the faith. You don't have to have a PhD. So that's the 14th of October, and you're, it's going to be at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. You can go to vmpr.org to check out that and register for it. Also, later in the month, we have three days with the Opus Angelorum, the work of the Holy Angels. We're going to have three priests here. So it's going to be August 28th, 29th, and 30th. So join us for that free conference at the chapel. You can get all this information by going to vmpr.org. And I want to thank all of our listeners who have been supporting us to get the word out about the love that Jesus Christ has for each individual person in the world and how he has a plan by giving your life to Christ and repenting of sins and going to confession, receiving the sacraments often, praying your daily rosary, making visits to the Blessed Sacrament, all these wholesome things that you can do with a spiritual life that will bring you closer to the person of Jesus Christ. So I say that in a way that I've experienced it in my life, and I want to share that love that I have for Jesus Christ with you, our listener. And you can pass that on to some of your own friends. Well, thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio and the work that God's called us to do. God bless you and your family.